Good evening and welcome to this Black Talk Radio News Brief. Of course, my name is Scotty Reed as we broadcast to you live from North Carolina. I am being joined by another North Carolinian from the uh, Charlotte area, which is not too far from where I am, and that's Mr. William Barnett. And we're going to talk about this story about these three cops in Wilmington, North Carolina, who have been fired because they were found to have, I guess, recorded themselves or not, or didn't know they were being recorded and were caught on tape saying racist things including the, uh, about the black police chief, evidently. So I, I want to go ahead and welcome in uh, my guest for tonight, Mr. William Barnett. Thank you for joining me on short notice to discuss this local story, bro. What's going on, brother? How you doing? It's, a, it's an honor to be with you tonight, brother. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, I'm doing the best I can, man, under these terroristic, you know, conditions that we live yeah. under. But I'm very, very encouraged by a lot of the things that I'm seeing across the country and indeed across the world as it relates yeah. to not just police brutality, but racism as well. How, how do you feel about what, you, what we've been seeing, mostly from these young people, man? Man, I, I'll be honest with you, man. I, I, I am... I'm pleased. I'm happy to see the young people engaged. You know what I'm saying? Because I was, I, I'll be honest with you, man. I was wondering with, with, with social media and so many different distractions. Because here's the thing. That's the thing. The distractions have been taken away because of coronavirus. You see what I'm saying? Okay. A lot of things that would distract us from engaging are not there right now. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it's actually been a perfect storm for people to be out in the streets protesting and 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 showing the resistance that they're showing, so I'm I'm happy that sports is off of TV. I'm happy that a lot of people aren't uh, uh, bogged down with that normal everyday schedule, which allows them to focus on what's going on. You see what I'm saying? Uh, actually, you're the second person I heard put it in those terms of a perfect storm of conditions right now that has. Um, just made it fertile ground for what we're seeing right now. In addition to the uh, lockdowns related to the COVID-19 and then a lot of people being out of work and then yeah. the young people being out of school. And yeah. but also, you know, uh, the age of Donald Trump and everything that, that he has been contributing um, yeah. towards racism and institutional racism in the United States. So, I mean, do you figure him into it as also... Uh, uh, element of that perfect storm? Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, Donald Trump, he's been making a lot of statements throughout his presidency, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, that have flame, uh, uh, fanned the flames of racism, you know what I'm saying? From day one all the way back to the to the rallies where those rallies were, were damn near a Klan rally. You had fights breaking out between blacks and whites at the rallies before mm-hmm. he got elected. So, I mean, you know, of course, Trump is a lightning rod. Um, but let me say this to you. I think it goes back even further than that, though, because if you think about it, during Obama's president, that's when Black Lives Matter started. You see what that's I'm saying? True. That's uh, true. During uh, Mike, was it Mike Brown? I think it was Mike Brown and Ferguson when it, when that when it kind of Trayvon started. Martin. Oh, Trayvon Martin. Okay, okay, Trayvon Martin. Because remember, so, he said if I had a son, yeah, he'd look yeah. like Trayvon. That's pretty yeah. much it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. After the verdict, after George Zimmerman was found innocent. Yeah. He did well, you know, he gave us a law and order speech. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Then you had uh you had 
uh, it was man, it was a ton of uh, police murders during Obama presidency, a ton. Yeah, and then that led into Trump. Then Trump came in, and like I said, Trump. Then listen, man, Trump. Trump is so. He's one of those things. He's one of those people where it's like he's speaking to his base when he speaks. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. There are a lot of people in this country who support Trump. Some do it overtly and some do it behind closed doors. And here's here's what I mean. When you think about the polls that came out in 2016 when Hillary Clinton was running against Trump, it looked like, according to the polls, that Hillary had to win. You see what I'm saying? But we saw, I think even Trump was surprised <laughs> that Trump won. You see what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. there's a lot of people who get in that voting booth and when they close that curtain, they yes. may talk, they may talk anti-Trump outside, but when they get in that behind that booth, they press that Trump button. You see what yeah, I'm saying? It, yes. I think it's important to note though, he had an electoral college win yeah. and yeah. didn't win the popular vote, which I think that's, that's only the second or third time in U.S. election history that that has happened, you know, yeah. with, with Hillary, you know, getting a lot of criticisms for not focusing on um, some key, some key states. Um, yeah. But look, you, you, I'm not going to assume just cause you live in the South and especially, you know, um, coming out of the Charlotte area, I'm not going to assume that you are a, a WWE fan or WWF fan. Hmm. Um, Go ahead my, and tell the truth. Tell the my, truth. I, I'm not. A, I was never huge in. I was never huge in wrestling. My son, though, my son is actually watching SmackDown right now downstairs. My nine-year-old, okay. he okay. loves SmackDown. He loves. He goes on demand and watches all the episodes. I, I was never a huge uh, wrestling fan. Never. I I wasn't either, but my uh, little brother was. Okay. I remember I was coming home for my grandfather's funeral. So I was on like a little small flight, one of those small jets or what have you, not a big commercial jet. And this white guy was on there, this bearded white guy was on there. He was, you know, sitting behind me or something like that. I didn't know who he was. Um, Mm -hmm. So as we were disembarking and coming, you know, down the little area where where we get off, my little brother knew exactly who he was because he never missed that. I was never a fan of it. I used to pick at him and tell him, you know, that's fake, right? You know, that's all scripted, right? Now, the reason I bring that up, William, Mm -hmm. is, you know, Trump got WWE experience. And when he's doing these rallies, I see him as doing something no different than what he did with with McMahon and Co. Yeah, with yeah. the WWE, he talked yeah. the same exact way. He's, he's entertaining, as you yeah. said, his base with that WWE fake wrestling style. And, and, and let me say this, man. Let me say this. Um, I'm a truck driver. I travel all over the country, um, and I tell people all the time. People who live in these urban areas like Charlotte, Raleigh, Atlanta, D.C., you know what I'm saying, where there's, where there's an abundant amount of Blacks and, and, and people who are liberal, you don't get to see the, the, the America I get to see. See what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I am in rural areas where I might be the only Black person they didn't see in like the last six months. You see what I'm saying? So I'm saying to you that Traveling around this country, I see Trump 2020 signs everywhere. You see what I'm saying? 
once you, and I mean, you see, I mean, just outside of Charlotte, you know what I'm saying? Well, you know, I live outside of Charlotte in Mount Holly, and okay. I really don't even live in the town. I live in an unincorporated, unincorporated rural area of okay. between Mount Holly and Stanley, and maybe about five doors down, they do have a big Trump 2020 banner. Yeah, exactly. So I tell people all the time, I say, listen, if you if you step, like you said, you're in Mount Holly, that's a perfect example. If you go to uh, Statesville, Lincolnton, Concord, uh, uh, Monroe, these cities that are like 20 minutes outside of Charlotte, mm-hmm. it's a whole nother world. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I said, the thing is, you got different types. See, in, a, in, in, in Charlotte, you're dealing with a lot more business people, a lot of corporate business type people. So they're not going to wear their racism on their sleeve too quickly because of, you know what I'm saying? The, right. the, the environment they have to be in. But right. when you go out to the sticks, when you go out to the sticks, the good old boys, right. when they're not, they not worried about political correctness and things like that, mm-hmm. that's when you really feel it and you see it. And I know you see it all the time in Mount Holly. You know what I'm saying? Well, to be honest with you, uh-huh. we don't. Oh, you don't? Mount Holly has gotten a, a lot better now. My family, which is one of the few black families that have been here, like since the colony days and what have you. Um, but then you had Ransom Hunter right after the Civil War when he was freed. He came to Mount Holly and he started a black farming community that's called Freedom. Um, okay. and, and, and so since I've been here now, I was born down here. But I, my mom moved to Detroit when I was like two years old. Then she okay. moved back down here when I was like 13. So that was 79, 80. And I've been here ever since, except for the six years I was in the military. And, you know, shout out to my late aunt, you know, who's with the ancestors now. But okay. she was the first black to integrate Mount Holly High School. Okay. And she, you know, it was shared with me how, she used to have to sit with the teacher during lunch or recess because them white kids would just terrorize her because, yeah. I mean, just terrorize her. Now, fast forward to when I got there uh, to high school here in Mount Holly, let's say in 81, 82, I do still remember a pep rally where, you know, the students got to put on different skits and whatnot. And so these white boys come in with this litter on their shoulders with this guy sitting in a chair like he uh, some kind of king of Pharaoh with a Mm -hmm. doggone Confederate flag tied around his neck. So, Mm -hmm. you know, they march in and the whole gym just got quiet. And then he takes it off his neck and start waving it. Nobody said nothing. Nobody applauded. It was just just utter silence. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, they knew that they had made fools of themselves because the rest of us wasn't buying into it. And, you know, we, it wasn't that many fights, but the fights that they were, of course, they got beat down. All right. So they learned not to, they learned not to try, you know, and then the generations that came after my aunt, Uh when other, you know, black people, and then a lot of them, we're related in these rural areas. And then, so they would battle them, them white boys. So we didn't have to battle them as much when I, when I went there. And then when my daughters went there to the same high school, they ain't had no problems with them like that. Not to say there wasn't any racism, but they didn't try us like that. And like I was talking to my cousin that lived next door, I said, hey man, have you noticed as we was riding through Mount Holly, have you noticed 
that since we was in high school, we see less and less of these Confederate flags. So mm-hmm. I can only point you to maybe two houses in Mount Holly that has uh that fly those Confederate flags. Nobody on this road where I live on, you know, and I got white neighbors across the street and up the mm-hmm. road. I, they don't they don't do that. They don't play, um, you know, not that we could do anything about it, but, you know, I guess they figured, you know, that's kind of uh, crude or or beneath them, but I still suspect them to be racist, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I was going to ask you a question. I was going to say, what, sure, do you go think, ahead. What, what do you think, because I guarantee you most of Mount Holly, white folks in Mount Holly are mm-hmm. Trump supporters, are you know, they, they're, they're, they're anti, you know, you know, the movement that we see taking place in the streets, they're not, they're probably not supporters of that. You see what I'm saying? Well, again, though, uh, we, my daughter organized the march after um, George Floyd was murdered. Okay. This is the first time anybody had marched in Mount Holly ever. Okay. They had okay. never marched, okay. maybe the Klan or something like that. Um, but my mom doesn't remember anything. And, you know, uh, some of my other elders never said anything. They did burn a cross in my grandfather's yard and got chased away. Um, but um, we got nothing but love, man, from the people. Again, I'm not dumb. I'm not stupid. <laughs> yeah. In terms of publicly, because uh-huh. we're in, we were in a strategic location where there's a lot of traffic, where several roads intersect, several stop signs, so they couldn't do nothing but see us. Yeah. Okay, and Hey, all we got was positive uh, reactions from the people in the cars and, and, you know, nobody yelled the N word out the window or, you know, told us this or that. Now, with that said, though, now mm-hmm. uh, we've also been participating in, in these protests and attended a Gaston County commissioners meeting to remove the Confederate monstrosity that sits in front of our courthouse off of County land. And, mm-hmm. So of the people that signed up, the speaker was almost close to 60 people. And the people that came out, they didn't, you know, sign up to speak. It was only 10 of them. They mm-hmm. came out there with their little leather jackets with the bat with the Confederate battle flag on the back and what, but it was only 10 of them. Mm-hmm. I was surprised. Yeah. But but <laughs> you go online to mm-hmm. a Facebook page of Gastonia Gazette. Now, okay. I don't check to make sure all of them are from Gaston County, but yeah. on the articles that are related to the protests we've been doing, oh, you'll see all kind of hateful language and stuff like that. So I know you heard of the term keyboard warrior. So oh, yeah. there'll be some oh, keyboard warriors, but in terms of getting in our face out here in the street, I ain't seen it. So so let me ask you this question. Is it, do you think, let me ask you this, is it is God, I'm trying to think how I want to word this. Is racism okay? You you've seen what's happened to some of these white folks who have done things and got caught on camera, like yeah. like the like the white girl in New York the other a couple of weeks ago who in Central Park who um he was yelling, "Oh, you're threatening me!" As African American man, but he yeah, was calling on the phone. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She lost everything. She lost a job. I think her husband lost a job. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a lot of backlash. Are, are white folks now saying we're not going to do this stuff publicly like we used to? 
we're going to we're going to get more com- covert with it to the point where I, I think that's the case. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, well, we'll show up to the marches. We'll even put a Black Lives Matter T-shirt on. See what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, like, and let me say this. Let me say this. I ain't gonna say they're gonna go that far. <laughs> I, I, I've seen it. I've seen in these marches white folks with black lives. And let me let me say this. Let me let me say let me say this. The white I did a little, I, I, I read an article. The white girl in, in New York, Amy Cooper was her name. Right. She was she was a liberal. They say okay. she donated, she don't she donated money to Barack Obama's campaign, mm-hmm. uh John Kerry. And some other people, I think Pete Buttigieg or somebody, she donated money to. Now, I guarantee you, had she not been caught up in the situation, because her situation happened before George Floyd. You see what I'm saying? Right. right. So had she not been caught up in that, she might be one of those whites that would have been in a protest in New York or... You see what I'm saying? She might have been... I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, <laughs> but, but most of the young people... Cause it's been, to be honest with you, and it's kind of sad. I was going to yeah. say shameful, but kind of sad. But it's been more white people out there supporting us and part of the protest in Gaston County than it has been black people. But it's been Hispanics out there. It's been mixed race people out there, and what have you. And in talking to them, they seem to be more progr- the po- part of the progressives wing of and not so much neoliberals you know mm-hmm. and, and i understand what you're saying yes like i told the county commissioner don't be trying to label our group as some partisan liberal group we have yeah. no affiliate why you might see a black lives matter sign we don't got no affiliation yeah. with no outside groups and this is all local homegrown, just people decided they wanted to do something some of them had never ever protested like my daughter didn't even never. I ain't gonna say it never concerned her, but she definitely wasn't no marcher and she definitely yeah. wasn't no organizer. So, mm-hmm. but I do acknowledge that yes, it's a bunch of covert racists in the Democratic Party. And like, you know, we got all Republican commissioners and the um the one who is like the chairman, oh, he's like a little Trumper man, you know, uh-huh. he shares uh-huh. all the all the stuff like that. And he tried to label, you know, people. So I tried not to get caught up in these labels, but I do yeah. acknowledge, like I told him, yes, Joe Biden passed the crime bill. Joe Biden said he didn't want his kids in a racial jungle referring uh-huh. to integration. You know, mm-hmm. Joe Biden did this. Joe Biden said that. He eulogized Strom Thurmond, and everybody in North Carolina know who Strom yeah. Thurmond is. Thurman. So, but I told but I told that chairman, but don't get it twisted because he had a whole lot of Republican support on that crime bill and all the other stuff. So it's been a bipartisan effort in practicing racism, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah, I agree 100 percent. I agree 100 percent. I, yeah. I, t- I tell people all the time, I said, listen, Joe Biden is not your savior. Trust me when I say that. Joe Biden. <laughs> I mean, good gracious, man. I. I I want people to understand that, like you just got through saying, white supremacy is a bipartisan product. It's not Republicans, good guys, Democrat. I mean, I'm sorry, Republicans, bad guys, Democrat, good guys. It's it's a situation where you had Democrats who are just as racist or more racist than some of these Republicans that we know of. You know what I'm saying? Right. So I'm, they just better at hiding it. Yeah. Yeah. It's better at hiding it. And they yeah. come around and they're, 
they, they, they put on a better show. They put on a better show because they understand I have to try to get black voters. You know what I'm saying? So I'm going to show up to the black church. I'm going to go to the NAACP awards. I'm going to, you know what I'm saying? Right. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to show up at the Martin Luther King parade. You know what I'm saying? They're going to do stuff like that. You know? Right. I think a perfect example before we transition to this, these three cops in Wilmington, but uh, I think his name is Elliot Ingo running against the brother in New York. The brother in New York is the progressive. Sorry, I don't remember his name. And I just got through watching something on him. I just can't remember his name. But Elliot Ingo, I think that's his name, but he has been up there for decades. He's a Democrat and he's got a key chairman position. Um, you know, since the Democrats took over the House. But he was caught on, speaking of people getting caught on tape, just like these cops, he was caught on tape telling someone who organized a rally in the wake of George Floyd's murder that I wouldn't even be out here if, if you know, it wasn't election season. I wouldn't be yeah. here. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, we got that to deal with. But speaking of being caught on tape, um, tell me what, what you've read thus far about these Wil- Wilmington police officers? Um, I, I woke up this morning and I saw this article and um, I posted it. And, and, and I, I read some of the details because the first thing, whenever I see a situation where, where some officers have done something or have been caught saying something, there's a, there's, a, there's a question that comes to mind. And that question is, how long have they been police officers? Because that lets me know how long has that mentality been on the street patrolling our neighborhoods? You see what I'm saying? So, how many how many bodies he got on, on it, his ledger that exactly. we may, may not exactly. know about? Thank you. So I, I went into the article and I saw that it was three officers caught on in, on their in-car audio camera, I mean video recorder, whatever it is. They are 48 years, one's 48, one's 50, and one's 47. Mm-hmm. They all started the Wilmington Police Department in two of them started in 98 and one started in 97. So that's 22 to 23 years of them guys being on the force in Wilmington. You mm-hmm. see what I'm saying? So um, I, was saying, I was saying to myself that, uh, and, and by the way, some of the things they said, I can pull it up right there. Some of the things they said, uh, let, me, let me just pull it up right quick. Uh, sure. You got, uh, you got um, one of the officers' name is uh, Michael Kevin Peener. Another officer, he's 44 years old. Uh, another officer is Jesse E. Moore. He's 50 years old. And another officer is James Brian Gilmore. He's 48. Yeah, I got uh, Michael. Michael is Piner in this. Piner, article. Piner. I'm sorry. Michael, okay, Piner. Michael Piner. Michael Piner. Okay, cool, cool. Um, but basically they were caught saying things like, uh, we're going to, they, they were speaking about the protest that's been happening. And uh, they, was, they were caught saying, we want a white, black folk black folks off the effing map one officer said he just bought an assault rifle and he wants to start a second civil war mm-hmm. um you have um hold on one second they said some other things in here let me keep going um sound like he don't want to accept the confederacy's loss huh yeah yeah that's it that's it um they were um um two the two complained about um calling one they called one of the black officers on the police force a piece of S and was complaining that he was sitting on his ass during the protest. Police Chief Donnie Williams is that's who they were talking about. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And um, 
One of them said, one of them said, we're just going to go out and start slaughtering those effing N-words. I can't wait. God, I can't wait. Yeah. Sound like a terrorist, man. Yeah. And and one of them said that he's going to put a, uh, refer to putting a bullet in the head of the police chief, I guess, because he was Mm -hmm. saying he didn't do anything about the protests in Wilmington. Hey, now, wait a minute, though. Speaking of Democrats and racism, and again, Everybody who knows me and been following my programs or podcasts for a while, no, I'm not a partisan guy, okay? You can't put me in that box, okay? But doesn't this remind you of Pete Buttigieg? Okay. just was running for president and how those white cops were saying the same sort of things about their black police chief and them... Who gets fired? Not the white cops, but Pete Buttigieg. He was catching a lot of heat out there yeah. on the campaign trail for that, over that. Yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. That's what this reminds me of. Yeah. And it also brings to light of how are you able to, you know how, you know how a lot of times, man, we think we we, we have a what we call the talk with our children about how to handle police officers. Right. When you pull it over. But see, what we don't tell them is sometimes you're going to run into officers like these where it might not be nothing you could do. See what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Do, do we ever tell our children you could be on your best behavior during a police stop and run into these three and, you know what I'm saying, all bets are off where this thing going to go. You know what I'm saying? Right. All, all bets are off. So I would like to look at the arrest record of these cops. Mm-hmm. Look at who they who's sitting in jail because of an arrest from these three cops. And every case needs to be reviewed. Well, let, me, let, let me share this article um, with those who may be watching the video. Sorry for those who may be catching the audio only podcast later. I will link to this story. But let me go ahead and throw this story up in the, on the screen because it answers your question. Um, it, it's making the same point that you just made. I hope I did not close it by mistake. Go go ahead and talk while I pull, I pull it back up because I yeah. lost it. All right, no problem. I, I, I was just saying that anybody sitting in jail right now because of these cops' arrests, especially mm-hmm. we talk we talk about black folks here, mm-hmm. I want their case to be reviewed because mm-hmm. these officers com, com, have shown that they are Klansmen behind a badge. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So, I, I I just I, I just like I said, man. I'm th- another thing. Question comes in: How many other officers right, feel the right. same way they feel? How many? See, here's the thing. Here's okay, the thing. I, I found it. I found it. Go ahead, can you finish your thought? Yeah, I was just gonna I was just gonna say a lot of times police will try to make it seem like there's just a few bad apples in the bunch, but how many Wilmington police officers have come out and said they? Are against everything these officers have said and done. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. How, how, how many officers in there know these guys talk? We know this wasn't the first time they talk like that. You know what I'm saying? We right. know that. Right. So, I mean, how many other officers have heard them talk like that and joined in the conversation? You know what I'm saying? So, it's, it's you right. know, but yeah, go, go ahead. I'm, I so, you just mentioned you were wondering what their history was, and we don't have the complete picture or the deep dive like you're saying, suggesting, which I should. I would think every arrest they made would be questionable. You exactly. know, in grounds for an appeal. Um, exactly. but, but fired, okay, as um, 
fired Wilmington police officers previously terminated and demoted. Now, this comes to you from StarNewsOnline.com. It says, documents show two of the three officers fired this week have previously been terminated or demoted. Questions remain about the work history of two of the three Wilmington PD officers fired this week for racist remarks recorded on video. Documents provided by the city of Wilmington show one officer was previously terminated and another was previously demoted. But additional information about the officers can't be released right now due to a judge's order. So, I mean, what is this judge doing? Um, The two-hour video shot newly promoted Police Chief Donnie Williams, who is one of the black citizens spoken of in the video. The officers use frequent racial slurs, including calling black citizens officers and a black magistrate Negro and the N-words, with one stating in reference to martial law and a potential civil war. We are just going to go out and start slaughtering them effing uh, N-words. I can't wait, God, I can't wait. So that- that that gives you a clue as to these people, well, maybe not the new police chief, but these other other people and personnel who had been there probably just as long as them knew this. Yeah, how did they get how did they how do you what was he terminated for is what the art article isn't telling us. Yeah. Okay. So that, yeah, your thoughts. We, you know every here's the thing. Here's the thing. Like I said. In a situation like this, they got caught. And this is this this goes back to what you we were talking about a few minutes ago. Technology is catching these people up. Yes. And this is why people are switching, like you this ain't 1965. Everything, everything you do now is being recorded. Everything, your phone, there's everybody got cameras on their house, everybody's got cameras in their car, dad, it's it's Technology is going to catch you up. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And that's what you that's what you're witnessing right now is um a lot of people are, you know, with social media and things like this, a lot of people are having to change how they move in public. A lot, a lot of the companies, a lot of like, like for example, you got a lot of major corporations who have gotten on the bandwagon of the protest. Not because they actually give a damn, it's just because it, it if you don't stand on the side of what's going on you're going to look a certain way you see what i'm saying right right so, it's going to it's, it's it's going to be bad pr for PR. your company exactly. and you can lose money exactly it's just like you know some of these corporations some of these airlines some of these um banks some of these companies are guilty of doing uh uh, uh treason you know you know horrible things to the black community themselves but now right just to jump on now they they're caught up in the moment of what's going on and they have to release some statement saying hey we stand with the protest we stand for black lives and all sorts of stuff but you know that's just a bunch of pr crap yeah but but just like i said with this wilmington police situation i know for sure there are plenty more officers on the wilmington police force who feel the exact same way as these guys feel you see what i'm saying but my main concern is going back to the point you raised earlier. We need to look at they these guys didn't just join the force yesterday. Yeah, exactly. So they got a long record probably of arrest, testifying in court, putting people in the prison. 
planting drugs on suspects, it's, all kinds exactly. of Exactly. And and who knows what their body counts may be. So, exactly. you know, I, I imagine if it's in the record, eventually it may come out, but I don't know with this judge blocking stuff, you know, maybe they got some bodies on them or something yeah. like that. But, you know, tying that to the companies like Starbucks, Mm -hmm. The employees get to wear Black Lives Matter mm -hmm. apparel while mm -hmm. on the job and all this. But you, you know what? If Black mm -hmm. Lives Matter or Latino Lives Matter or Native American Lives, let's just say if people lives matter, then um, Starbucks wouldn't be using products in their business that is made by prison slave labor, which yeah. is predominantly Black. We all know who yeah. makes up the biggest exactly. portion of the prison population, but I, I want to make it clear, I care about the human rights of all prisoners. But yeah. then you got Target is another, you know, when that Target got burned down, I'm like, what the hell y'all crying for? They yeah. use prison slave labor, yeah. you know? So yeah. we need to be point, pointing this kind of stuff out, you know? Because yeah. I, I remember I made a video when a, a few, maybe it was last year, the Starbucks CEO gave this little talk about Black Lives Matter and institutional racism. And I called, I called them and I emailed him, but I called them their corporate, hoping that somebody would, you know, transfer me to him or get his voicemail, but I ended up having to leave a voicemail. But I called him out on it. You're yeah. gonna get this talk, but you're still using prison slave labor in your business yeah. model. Okay. Yeah. So that you know the phony, the the superficial displays that we care oh, yeah. no i'm not i'm not accepting that and, and, and i've been stressing that to people on social media like pete black folks please don't fall for this um these meaningless acts these superficial surface level meaningless acts that these companies are doing these companies are that what they're doing is they're running the game the block is hot right now the block is hot you see what i'm saying and you know, you don't want to be the next person who, who or the next person or the next company to become trending on Twitter for the wrong reasons. You see what I'm saying? Right. So bad PR. Yeah, bad <laughs> PR. Cause because cause now it becomes a situation where if you become a hashtag for the wrong reason, that, that can really affect your bottom line, which is money. See what I'm saying? So and, and let me say the action this though, William. Now we are both in agreement that it's superficial but they're practicing institutional racism tied to uh, the legacy of slavery, prison slavery, called the convict leasing that the 13th Amendment created and, and, and what have you. But even though, even though that's the case, the fact that they even scared of becoming a hashtag and losing money, would you say that's, that's some progress, really, you know, no matter how small that they even work? Because this time they didn't care about that, man. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I just think that um, the masses I, just can't fall for it. They got to be more informed, like I'm informed about the different companies that use prison slave labor. Yeah, yeah. I, th I think the thing is, I think the thing is, what it does is, I, I I think you're just moving the furniture around. I don't I don't think you're doing right, anything. Right. Of, yeah, because I think what you're doing is you're just moving the furniture around in the same house. I I, I think I think that 
Okay, like for example, taking NASCAR. a mask off and putting a different one on. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's like NASCAR. NASCAR mm-hmm. comes out and says, "Hey, we're going to get rid of the Confederate flag at our races," and um, you know they hired a black guy as their diversity. Um, it's like a diversity, uh, whatever you call it, divert in the diversity department. He's like the head of of, of diversity and inclusion for the NASCAR. Okay, okay. now. NASCAR has a history, you know, you know, NASCAR racing and racism go hand in hand. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah, especially, hand hand. especially here in the South. Exactly. We know North Carolina, Charlotte, Concord. We know that's the home of racing. What I'm saying to you is what NASCAR just did was they just let them, they, they put themselves in a situation where now they appear to be progressive. They're off the hook for all the years previous now because of what they're doing right now. Without ha- without having to really make an amends or do anything of any real substance, you see what I'm saying? Like they, reparations, advocating for reparations, saying, "Hey, yeah. we'll even donate some of our percentage exactly. of our profits to a reparations fund, or we will uh, start giving scholarships to young black kids to go out and learn how to drive." You know, stuff like yeah, that. yeah, stuff like that. They're going to they 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 do stuff now. And the stuff they're doing is not hurting them. It's, it's, it's actually improving their image. You see what I'm saying? It's not. Well, it, I will say it's hurting their image in, in the minds of the racists who went as far as to pay for an airplane to fly a Confederate flag. I'm yeah. like, y'all are so tacky and trashy. Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I heard about that. I said, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, them races mad about that, but you know, we don't care about their feelings. But I, I get your point, though. I still but, but, see it as progress that they're even forced to change the mass. But it is on us, though, to make sure. Like, for example, um, mm-hmm. before I switch back to this law enforcement story, but for example, I talked about Starbucks, and they saying. Oh, our baristas and employees can wear Black Lives Matter apparel and what have you. But did you do a deep dive study in making sure that your Black, Hispanic, any minority non-white people is getting paid are are getting paid equitably with the other ones? You understand yeah. what I'm what I'm trying to get at? You yeah, know, yeah. what do you what is your pay equity look like? What does your yeah. index look like? Now, you yeah. know, we hear a lot because white women drive it, but we hear a lot about how much the white man makes more than the white woman on the dollar, but below the white woman is the black man, and then below him is the black woman. So yeah. where how are you as a company addressing that? Because oh, you know, yeah. when you think about it, I want people to think about this deeply because my mom who's retired now, really thought about, you know, how they stole from her to the point to where she's not getting as much in, uh, retirement income as what white people was getting who were being paid more than her, yeah. uh, who didn't deserve to be paid more than her uh, exactly. and, and what have you. Because when your pay, for those lucky enough to have those type of jobs, the money that you make on average that goes to your social security. Yeah. You know? And so exactly. if you're not getting paid equally for the same work as white folks, you know, when you women say, I want to get paid for the same work as white men. Well, what, uh, the whole black family need to get paid 
the same as the white family. And so exactly. you think about over the years, this is wealth we're not even considering that's being stolen from us and we don't know, realize it till we retired. That light bulb might, wow, man. So, yeah. 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 It's crazy, I, man. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you, man. I, I think that... Um... I, I'm 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 with you. I'm with you 100. Only thing I'm saying is I'm just a little hesitant to call it progress. Okay. I think I think I think what we're. I, I think let's we're let's put it like this: a different yeah. climate. Because I agree, progress may not be a good yeah. word, but a different climate, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Environment, I, I think, different yeah. environment. We're we're in the era of political correctness. We're in the era of. If you say the wrong thing, it's going to get seen. It's going to get seen. See, you used to say the wrong thing and nobody knew about it. Mm-hmm. Now you say, it's like this situation with the North Carolina officers. That story has gone from Wilmington to all over the world in less than 24 hours because right. of social media, the internet. Right. You know what I'm saying? You got people in London talking about what happened with the Wilmington police officers in North Carolina. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? So, mm-hmm. so what I'm saying is I just think that we're in a different time now where companies are going to they're going to go they're going to do what needs to be done to keep a certain image for the public right now the institution is still going to be what it is it's still going to be um you know whether you're talking about nascar or whoever you're talking about it's going to be white run whites are going to make most of the money white you see what i'm saying it's still going to have everything it had before just with a a nice exterior you know what I'm saying? Right, right. Still yeah. institutionally racist, yeah. but yeah. hey, your stole look nice. <laughs> yeah, your stole look nice. Exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just like it's just like it's like ain't your mama pancake syrup. They talking about changing the, the label on ain't your mama pancake syrup. Right. Yeah, that's cool. It's still white owned. It's still their pancake syrup. They still gonna you see what I'm saying? This right. this that's not gonna. I guess what I'm saying is, if you change ain't your mama pancake syrup or Uncle Ben's rice or whatever you're talking about. That's still white-owned companies making all the money, and then they look, and then they get to look like they're doing something so great. When the only reason they're doing it is because it, it's 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 outdated to be overtly racist like that. It's right, outdated. Right. That's outdated. That's played out. It's you know not. It's not refined. Yeah. Yeah. Exact. Thank you. That's a perfect word. It's not refined. It's not. It, it, and like you were saying earlier, if people really knew all the things they're going to have to do to get things to, like, like a lot of people who are participating in marches and protests. I don't want them to solely focus on George Floyd. Yeah. That's a horrible right. incident, mm-hmm. but this is so much bigger than George Floyd. You see what I'm saying? You it's know, so- William, that's why it's important, man, for those of us who are in the know mm-hmm. to be out there with them. Cause look, yeah. man, only march I had ever participated in. The first march was the March of Dimes in Detroit, raising money for muscular dystrophy. All right. Mm -hmm. Then the next march was was when I became an abolitionist. And in uh, 2018, we raised money um, to help other organizations do a march and rally in Lafayette Park, where, you know, Donald Trump did his photo op after having the police attack the peaceful, you know, protesters. We were in that park. I still okay. didn't march. <laughs> I still uh, didn't march. Now, then my daughter organized the march. 
I still didn't march, but I drove around in the car so I can pick up anybody that fell out from the heat. But, you know, I have a relationship with my daughter, obviously. And then I built a relationship with other young people that's out there. And they have been wise enough to accept my suggestions and stuff. Yeah. That's one of the things that we've talked about. I can't speak on what other people doing elsewhere because uh, yeah. I ain't got no firsthand knowledge. But I can tell you the Gaston County Freedom Fighters, the um, East Gaston Coalition for Freedom and Justice, and some mm -hmm. of the other you know groups, I can't remember their names, and we've all come together to support one another. We're, we started out talking about George Floyd, but we were talking about, you know, with my daughter's march, and she did too, um, local people who had been killed by police. Exactly. And have you. And, 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 but then when we started networking with these other groups, and we're on Facebook as well in secret groups, and, but we're talking about this, and I've been stressing, you know, there's a saying called all politics is local. I mean, the state matters and federal matters. But what matters most is who's running the county I live in, because this is my backyard. Who's the district judge? Who's the sheriff? Who's on the city council or town council if I live in, in one, which I don't. But I do have a county commissioner over this over this district that I'm, I'm in. And so I'm telling them, we see, we see and now one of the great things about this is is pulling the mask off of some people. We were talking about putting a mask on some people, but in terms of these politicians here locally, it's pulling the masks right off of them. Some of them can't even contain themselves, you know? Yeah. And so what I tell them then is we're able to identify who don't believe in practicing justice. So mm -hmm. you know what that means, right? That means you got to run for office. You got to run for office. You got to run for office. And then we got to get out the vote to make sure you get in office. We got to replace it, man. That's the only way, in my opinion, that mm -hmm. we're going to have long-term, down-the-road change seeming it is if we sit in the seats of power. And, yeah. and it ain't got, I'm not speaking in terms of, of race, okay? But I'm speaking in terms of people who practice justice because every Black person don't practice justice. And that's evident by some of the figures we see in the Congressional oh, yeah. Black Caucus and some of these mayors and some of these cities and some of these Black police chiefs. Yeah, you, 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 got, you got cities where you got a whole city run by coons. You got, you got um, Black mayors, Black police chiefs, Black sheriff, Black, pretty much Black city councilmen. And then when something like a police shooting happens, there's no justice. You right. see what I'm saying? There's no right. justice. They, 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 you, got, you got cities that are, like I said, that's why the whole partisan Democrat, Republican, I don't get into that because most of the cities where black folks are catching hell are Democratic run. You see what I'm saying? Most of the cities, New Orleans, St. Louis, Minneapolis, Chicago, New York, mm -hmm. Charlotte, uh, Atlanta, these cities are democratic run. You see what I'm saying? And if we're talking cities, uh, more than likely predominantly black. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. So this this is what this is where the conversation gets a little complicated for people who are just now interested. It shouldn't be though, William. Why should it be complicated? But, the but, simplest but, thing that Mr. Fuller, Neely Fuller Jr., for those who don't know who he is, he's uh <laughs> counter-racist author produced the cold book 
I don't agree with everything, but I don't agree with nobody on everything. But exactly. one of the simplest things, how he put it is, either you believe in practicing justice or you don't. It don't yeah. matter what your skin color is, your nationality, how tall you are, who your cousin is, and all yeah. that kind of stuff. If you don't believe in practice justice, that means you believe in practicing injustice. Yeah, there's no there's no middle ground. Either you're on one side or the other. You can't bear yeah, it. don't matter if you're a Democrat, Republican, yeah. Green yeah. Party, Libertarian yeah. Party. No, yeah. man, the proof is in the pudding, as they say. Yeah, you can't straddle the fence on that conversation right there. Either you're with us or you're against us. And now, now, in terms of police violence and stuff, you know, mm -hmm. again, this has been, this didn't just happen yesterday. Then yeah. all of a sudden police didn't just start shooting unarmed people and, and using all this excessive force. This has been going on since they were last known as the slave patrols. But though, like you mentioned earlier, we didn't went through Black Lives Matter started under Obama, okay? It didn't yeah. start under George Bush, but guess what did happen under George Bush? In FBI. 2006, the FBI put yep. out a report that detailed, now I'm going to let me pull this up on the screen um, so people can be um, with me. Um, this was a while back. Um, I have this pulled up on pbs.org. FBI warned the white supremacists and law enforcement 10 years ago. Has anything changed? Now, this article was published in 2016, okay? Mm -hmm. So that's 14 years ago, all right? So increasing tension toward the killing of black men and women by police throughout the past years has ignited national conversations on racism and law enforcement. See, we've been here before. From Greg, Freddie Gray in April of 2015 to Deborah, Deborah Danner, an emotionally disturbed woman fatally shot this week by an NYPD officer. Protests around the country have forced many Americans to reassess how many police engage with communities of color, how police engage. Now, let me just jump down. In the 2006 bulletin, the FBI detailed the threat of white nationalists and skinheads infiltrating, and we're focusing on the white ones now, okay? But again, to me, it don't matter what your skin color is. If you out here practicing police brutality, and we heard some of those black cops down there when that brother was shot in Atlanta caught on tape and yeah, the disrespectful yeah. things they were saying. But yeah. in terms of terrorism, these people are terrorists. The FBI detailed the threat of white nationalists and skinheads infiltrating police in order to disrupt investigations against fellow members and recruit other supremacists. The bulletin was released during a period of scandal for many law enforcement agencies throughout the country, including a neo-Nazi gang formed by members of the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department who harassed Black and Latino communities. Similar investigations reveal officers in, in entire agencies with hate group ties in Illinois, Ohio, and Texas. Much of the bulletin has been redacted, but in it, the FBI identified white supremacists and law enforcement as a concern because of their access to both restricted areas vulnerable to sabotage and elected officials or people who could be seen as potential targets for violence. The memo also warned of ghost skins, because when I look at the photo of those Wilmington cops, I only see two of them. They ain't got no tattoos. They ain't got no swastika on their neck. They ain't yeah. got no, no, you know, they not wearing 
the Confederate flag on their uniform and, and all of that. But the memo warned the ghost skins, hate group members who don't overtly display their beliefs in order to blend into society and covertly advance the white supremacist uh, causes. So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it right there. But one of the things that isn't mentioned, and I didn't have time. I tried to find it, but I didn't have time to pull up the PDF of the actual report. And one of the things it mentioned was that these people are at the highest levels mm -hmm. of law enforcement. Yep. And and they're in the FBI as well. And I and I shouldn't say I shouldn't have to tell people, but a lot of people don't know the racist history of the FBI, you know, beginning with and probably before, but their most famous target was Marcus Garvey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you, you, you're talking about, I, I watched the interview the other day with the police union in New York City and they were crying <laughs> the police were actually crying <laughs> because they feel like they're under attack now. But what they were crying about was the fact they can't get away with the crap they've been getting away with all these years. That's what they're crying about. You see what I'm saying? So, so I'm thinking to myself, now you're in a situation now where police are actually, here's what they're trying to do now. They're going to stop policing in the sense of they hope that chaos ensues. So you'll need them and say, see, here's what happens. They're going, to, they're going to let things happen without doing anything to stop it. So when things break out and it goes crazy and you call 911 and the police are needed, that's mm -hmm. going to be their thing to say, see, you guys didn't like us. Now you need us. You see what well, I'm saying? You know, I hope they do that because we actually have real world models. I just mentioned the uh, NYPD, right? So uh -huh. I don't know if you recall where Mayor de Blasio, who has a black wife and a black son, and yeah. he was talking about he had to have a talk with his son and stuff. And he was talking to police officers at some kind of official function. And they even turned their back on him. You know what I'm saying? They, yeah. And then they went on a week-long strike. Yeah. Crime, violent crime did not go up. Crime yeah. went down. And if people look at who's in prison, it's not the rapists and the murderers and what have you. It's nonviolent, victimless okay. crimes, people caught up in the drug war, or people committing crimes of survival, as I call them, because I can't make enough to pay my rent in Charlotte. Because, the you know, that black dude, the rent is too damn high. That's what <laughs> I'm hearing out of Charlotte, you know. Yeah. And so people start looking to these side hustles in the street that may be illegal, but now being made legal, if we're talking weed, but people making these, doing these hustles, whether it's stealing or whatever, cause they out there, they out there trying to survive, man. I ain't yeah. never seen a, a wealthy rich person get out there and loot nothing. The only people I see out there looting is those who are living on the margins of society. What else, who else gonna risk their life to go take advantage of a situation and loot something that they can either use themselves or sell on the street. So that's the majority of the people that's in prison. And then there's another, I just can't remember the other department uh, right now, but the same thing played out. They went on strike and crime went down. The majority of, in the New York uh, case, they lost $10 million that week. The city did because them cops wasn't out there writing tickets. That's, that's what that's what their point was 
Yeah. We bring in a lot of money. They bring a lot of money. city coffers, robbing people <laughs> and, and writing these tickets. And then, you know, you got the civil asset forfeiture. Another thing strengthened by Joe Biden, but we ain't going to talk about Joe Biden. Um, but they literally robbing people, man. So yeah. I'm not afraid. Look, I, I told you I live in a rural area. And I know okay. that's different than living in an impoverished area in Charlotte or Detroit or anywhere else. But, man, it might be three months might go by and I might not even see a cop just drive down the road. You know, yeah. we I don't live in the city. I live in a I live in a rural area. So that's county cops that cover this. I don't hardly ever see them. Yeah. yeah. So I ain't worried about it. I'm I'm not worried about it. And then that also I did want to talk about, I'm glad you brought this up. There's a lot of misunderstanding or misconceptions involved with defunding the police. Okay. Now, I I do appreciate what Minneapolis is doing. I think this is the they're trying to create a community-based policing system. And then when yeah. I say policing, I'm just using that in the real sense of the word of where you policing up, you know, when we was in the military, when I was in the military, they'd tell us we need to go on a police call. What that uh, mean is go picking up trash off the ground, policing the ground and what yeah. have you. But they're coming up with these community response teams and what have you. And they have overrode the uh, mayor's um, authority with a veto proof um, to create this new force. Okay, mm -hmm. and so defunding the police could mean, okay, we're not going to give them this military grade equipment. Yeah, we're we not going to give them all of this federal money to go out and lock up Pookie on the corner who just trying to sell weed to make his rent. You know what yeah. I'm saying? We, uh, you know, and, and, and so you think about in terms of maybe then they'll then start focusing on the rape cases that they never solve, all these rape kits on backlog, and this is all over the nation, man. And like yeah. I tell people, when had the police, I'm, I'm not going to say it's never happened, but it's more likely that the police is going to respond after the crime has been committed. They rarely yeah. stop. They, they rarely That's stop. why I believe in owning firearms. Yeah, yeah. Police, police show up after everything's done. They show up and then they ask questions. <laughs> they don't very rare, unless they just happen to be riding down the road and catch something going on while it's happening. They very mm -hmm. rarely stop anything. You know what I'm saying? Except for That's black people road. while driving or walking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, to fund the police, I mean, the money that goes towards police equipment and things like that, it can go to a lot of other things too that can help people, like um, housing, youth services, all kind of things like that, where, you know, these police budgets are ridiculous. Yes, they I think, are. I mean, I mean, some of these bigger cities. I mean, you talking? God, I can't. I can't remember what the number is for New York City. I saw it the other day. They talked about it. It is major. The I'll pull it up. Yeah, pull it up. The police, I'll pull it up. The police budget for New York is crazy, and it's like, man, how much money y'all now? Now, how much money y'all putting towards this versus how much money you putting towards education? Here you go. In yeah. fiscal year 2020, New York City's expenses, let me, matter of fact, throw this up on the screen um, for, for people to see uh, where I got it from. Um, and it just came up, you know, um, highlighted. Uh, where is that? Where Where is it? Where is that? Okay, here it go. 
right here, police budget share. Okay, in fiscal year 2020, New York City's expenses, let me make this a little bigger. Well, I can't do it now because I'm sharing. In fiscal year 2020, New York City's expenses for the New York City Police Department will total 10.9 billion, comprised of the 5.6 billion NYPD operating budget and then 5.3 billion of costs centrally allocated, including 2.3 billion for fringe benefits, 2.8 billion for pensions, and 215 million for debt. Oh my, that's a lot of money, man. We don't hear the fiscal conservatives asking them, why y'all yeah. need so much money? You yeah. know, yeah. Or, or the Defense Department. Why do we need to spend so much? That's why, you know, again, I have never been partisan and I did vote for Ron Paul <laughs> once in a Republican <laughs> primary. I, I can't remember exactly when that was. It might've been 2008 or 2012, but of course he didn't make it, but it was cause of, of when he was talking about fiscal conservatives, he was tar targeting the Defense Department and all these unnecessary wars. He was talking about ending the drug war and eliminating the DEA. And yeah, I had problems with other areas, but I'm like, damn, he talking about day one, he gonna eliminate the DEA and end the drug war. Do you know how many black people would stop going to prison or stop getting their house bust up into and getting shot down in their own home like Breonna Taylor? Mm -hmm. You know, cause that's what they were looking for was drugs. And, exactly. and, oh yeah, man, I don't, um, but liberals, again, liberals, um, liberals, conservatives don't matter to me. They've been bipartisanly uh, providing these huge budgets for, yeah. you know, basically the military. And I think we should look at the police as a military occupation force. Oh yeah, definitely. They are a military occupation force. And, 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 and like you said, they get military grade equipment. You know what I'm saying? They operate with, and then you have some people in the, in the, on the police force who were in the military coming back with PTSD patrolling right. the street. Mm -hmm. So you got listen, man. This 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 the police are they 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 have been terrorizing the community for years, and we know how it started out with the slave patrols. We know how we know how the, what the original police were. So what I'm saying to you is. I, I don't know what type of psychological tests are going to have to happen for police officers when you when you when you when, like like in the academy when you start breaking down the mental of a lot of these guys mm -hmm. because defunding the police and all this other stuff is cool but if you got guys like these North Carolina officers in Wilmington right in the small can, towns yeah exactly who can slide through mm -hmm. it's going to be a problem speaking, speaking to that point. I don't know if you was aware, but Durham, North Carolina, used to require those officers to have a four-year degree. Okay. College. Okay. And okay. then they eliminated eliminated that and lowered the bar to just a high school diploma. So yeah, yeah. You got man, listen, man, you got guys on the force who got all kind of uh mental hang-ups and issues and don't, don't you know what I'm saying these these are some of these guys are some of the some 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 low level people you see what I'm saying right and I'm telling you they are the ones patrolling the streets they're the ones pulling out pulling us over our sons and daughters and our spouses over and I just don't know how do you stop that aspect of it as far as 
these guys, these cops, like in, in, in Wilmington, how, how, how do you, how do you regulate that? Well, you regulate it with strong federal legislation, like starting with a database. They don't even keep use of force data. That's not required of police departments. That's an option. That's optional. They can opt out of that. Then the yeah. national database, when like the dude, the, uh, Timothy Lowman, who killed Tamir Rice in Cleveland, um, even he, his uh, trainer, um, training sergeant said, this dude is too unstable, emotionally disturbed to be on the force. But he got on the force anyway. He ended up killing Tamir Rice. Now he's working at another police department. The mm-hmm. same thing with Darren Wilson, who killed Michael Brown. Jennings Police Department, where he worked at, got shut entirely down. See, that's why I'm telling people, shutting down the police and even abolishing the police and not even replacing them, um, that's occurred. Jennings mm-hmm. Police was so bad. The Jennings Police Department, where Darren Wilson worked at, was so bad they just shuttled the whole department. And then the county started covering it. So, you know, still got issues with the county. But then Darren Wilson takes his old racist self over there to Ferguson and Ferguson. then ends up killing. So, I mean, it's a whole lot we, we can do. We are intelligent people. Uh, we're not dummies. We can figure this out. But again, like I stress to, to the um, people in my local area that I've been organizing with and networking with, you know, this starts at home. We got to yeah. make sure, and like I've told people, man, we don't have all of that, what we see going on in St. Louis, what we see going on in Los Angeles, what we see going on in New York. We don't have that, man, in this little rural county. Gaston, you're the biggest city, you know, that we got. But, you know, they have killed some people unjustly. But we ain't seeing it every year or what have you. And so I'm saying it's still important for us to organize and raise the issue because we don't want it to get like that. So, you know, it starts locally, man. If we ain't involved locally, we can't be waiting on Washington, D.C. to save us as we see a watered down uh, police reform bill coming from both the Republicans and the Democrats. We can't wait on Washington, D.C. to save us. We, as uh, Louisville showed us, the cities ban those no-knock warrants, which have led to many deaths. So we can do stuff locally. It's just mm-hmm. that we got to get involved and hold these people accountable. But William, man, I said I wasn't going to keep you long, but we've been having a great conversation. I appreciate you coming on short notice, but I'm allow you to leave the audience with some uh, final words, man. I hope this won't be your final time joining me. And let me just say this. I know a lot of people in the business that I'm in podcasting and whatnot, they like to invite on a lot of authors, a lot of doctors, a lot of professors, uh, people with name recognition. And I'm not saying anything is wrong with that because some of these people do have valuable information to share. But Mm -hmm. I want to focus on people like you, William, Mm -hmm. people, local people who are invested in their communities, who are bright, who are intelligent and who can participate in think tanks and come up with these solutions. So, you know, I just put you on the spot. I was like, hey man, you shared this story. Thanks for sharing it. Can you come on tonight? So I'm saying to anyone watching, especially if you and my friends list, don't be surprised if I call on you next. William, you got the final word. Man, brother, I want, first of all, I want to thank you for all the work that you do. 
what I'm saying? We've been friends on Facebook for a minute, and I see your posts. I see the things you do in Gaston County, and I want to applaud you and commend you for what you do. You see what I'm saying? Because you are mm-hmm. out there in the streets. You're out there locally doing what you got to do for your community, and that should be applauded. And you were doing it before it became a popular thing, too. That's another thing. A lot of times, people who stand for something you know, it, 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 you know, it's a thankless job. A lot of times, it's a it's a thankless job. It, you don't, you, you know, you you know, before before these protests became popular, you know, you was really like the 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 party pooper if you come around with your you know facts and statistics. You see what I'm saying? But 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 we still did it. We did it when it wasn't the thing to do. And I'm saying to you, I want to applaud you, and I and, I, and it's an honor for me to be on your program tonight. And I don't want it to be my last time. I want to come back. You know what I'm saying? I love being able to discuss, just have a, a free-flowing conversation like I'm in a barbershop, you know what I'm saying, with a good brother, and we just talking, you know what I'm saying, just sharing ideas. Um, but but one thing I'll tell people, and, and I'll say this, um, we are in a situation where you got to have endurance for the movement. You can't give up. You can't, this, this is going to be a long, uncomfortable, inconvenient fight, you see what I'm saying? So... I hear people saying sometimes, man, I'm just tired. I just want to, I get it. Sometimes you might need to take a break and step away for a day or two, but you got to understand this situation that we're in. It didn't happen last year. It didn't happen to COVID. It, this has been going on for centuries and it's going to, and let me say this, what you're doing in your lifetime, you might not reap all the benefits from it. See what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You got to realize that anything you're doing right now, it might be your great grandkids to benefit from it. See what I'm saying? So on top of it being inconvenient, you got to be unselfish about it as well because it ain't about you. Yeah, you might see some benefits of it, but you won't see everything come to what it's going to be, let's say, 50 years or maybe 100 years from now. You know what I'm saying? Right. So I guess my 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 focus is telling people um, – you know, get uh, 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 get as much information as you can get because I mean, not to sound cliche, but information is power. It is power. It is. What, 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 one, one of the biggest things I see with our people sometimes is lack of information. When you make a decision with a lack of information, I guarantee you're going to make a wrong decision. See what I'm saying? So when it comes to who we vote for, how we spend our money, how we, how we just move throughout society, a lot of times we do it with a lack of information. Mm-hmm. So we end up, you know, making some major mistakes along the way, or, or or sometimes we do a lot of things that really are just like running in place. You're not going anywhere. You know what I'm saying? So I guess that's just my final word on the fact that, man, um, I've enjoyed I've enjoyed this conversation. I really have. Um, and I'm looking forward to next time I'm able to come on your show. I really do. All right, man. And door is open. And again, keep sharing that information because i agree information is power you know the old scripture says that my people perish for a lack of knowledge so knowledge is 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 power so keep sharing the knowledge man and i hope to continue to network with you in the future and you stay safe behind these enemy lines of usa inc man and we'll catch back up with you at a later date all right thank you brother i appreciate you have a good one all right all right Okay, please continue to support the production of independent Black media. Uh, the Black Talk Radio Network is managed by the North Carolina nonprofit Black Talk Media Project. 
You can make a tax-deductible donation today. Again, that's Black Talk Media Project. Um, you can find us on Facebook. Uh, also, you can go to blacktalkradionetwork.com. You'll see uh, some of the PayPal buttons, and you can make a donation there as well. Or where this video appears, you may see the links in the description. Again, I want to thank my special guest tonight, Mr. William Barnett, my fellow Afro-Carolinian, um, for coming on and speaking with me on this issue of police violence. But we, we touched on a lot of topics, and it was real. All right, peace and blessings to all and to you. God bless. Uh. Yeah. Uh. Uh.